The Tarverian Podcast is a production of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Please check out more of our shows at www.probablywork.com. Hey everyone, Scott here with my good pal Rich. Say hi, Rich. Hi. And we're here today to tell you about a podcast we host together with our buddies Jay and Bill, the RPG After Years. The After What? The RPG After Years. Our show has entered into a new era of covering everything RPGs, both old and new. Thus, it is after its first era. It's the After Years. I thought RPG was Rocket Propelled Grenade. No, RPG stands for Role Playing Game. It's a genre of video game. Every week, we go through the latest news and discuss other relevant RPG related topics. We also review RPGs as we complete them. So, an RPG is not a rabid Portuguese goose? No, thank God. From Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy to The Witcher and Cyberpunk, we've got RPGs covered from the dawn of time to the far-flung future. Oh, I've heard of Final Fantasy. I'd hope so. So check us out on iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast listening platform happens to be. You can also find us at probablywork.com. Level up your podcast feed with the RPG After Years. Enjoy the show. Rejoice ye one and all, as the dragon has returned, the season two of the Tarviran podcast. Please join Rich Arbara, Rob Alfor, Bill Kulfrain, as they take on the epic fantasy series of the Wheel of Time. This season is dedicated to the Great Hunt, so join us as we go on a mystical adventure following the travels of the Great Horn of Valair in this season of the Tarvira Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Tarviran, a Wheel of Time podcast. I'm going to be your host for today's journey. My name is Robert. We're going to run solo today. We're going to go through Chapter 5, The Shadow in Shanir of Book 2, The Great Hunt of the Wheel of Time. We're going to have uh, Bill solo Chapter 6 and hopefully get the two of us, probably maybe even three of us, back once we get to Chapter 7. Uh, so today we're just going to take a quick jaunt through Chapter 5, which we have a few different perspectives to go through. Um, but let's get started. First, I'd like to very, very very happily announced that we have a review to report on so Bilzig can go back in his cage he does not have to come out you do not have to be subjected to whatever Bill thought that was a, a semblance of a song but we do have a we do have a um, review to report on I'm going to read it here for you now it is from a Apple podcast it is called flame reignited by Drum Apelli. Hey all, I came across the podcast while traveling with the family. After realizing my audiobook didn't transfer to my new phone, I decided to look for a podcast for the books. 
It was a bit of an adjustment at first, as I was expecting something more of a Cliff Notes version for the chapters, but came to enjoy it as friends discussing as friends discussing amongst themselves. I started this podcast in July of 2020, and I blitzed right through them. All the while listening, it felt like a time capsule, a blast from the past. I would hear the Wheel of Time show announcements and the exciting news that I had already I would hear the Wheel of Time show announcements and the exciting news that I had already known by this time, but in a way was like looking back at old Christmas videos and how COVID just crept in and took over. As of writing this, there have been no new episodes or a hiatus talk, so I'm wondering what has been up for the last two months. Hope this isn't the end. Keep it up. Thanks for the five-star review, John Pelly. Uh, we have been... Um, struggling to get podcasts out, and we desperately apologize for that. Real life has been getting in the way. Um, nothing of a, of, of a negative nature, just finding the time. Um, you know, it's hard to get one guy from the East Coast, one guy from the Midwest, and another guy from way over in London together to talk about Wheel of Time. It's hard to drive schedules up, so we do apologize. We're going to try and pump these out more frequently or more of a regular basis than we can. Before we dive into the chapter, let's get a word from our sponsors. Let's cue the rich bot and let's see what let's see let's see how Anchor or or Spotify is doing today. Have you ever tried eating a corned beef sandwich in zero gravity? Are you a veteran of the Great Emu War of 1932? Do you long for a simpler time when the world's greatest global crisis involved horse manure? If, if the, the answer, answer to any of these questions, questions was no, then, then we, we have, have the, the podcast, podcast for you. you. Epic Fails of History. A podcast that delves into the most epic fails of, um, history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The only thing we have to fear is Epic Fails of History. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Podbean, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We've got more random tales of fail coming your way, so stay tuned for more epic fails of history. As mentioned, we are up to Chapter 5. Rand is done running through the castles, and we have shifted perspectives to the ladies. Uh, we continue our conversation that left off last chapter with Moraine and Swan. Uh, we first, we, At the end of Chapter 4, we found out that the two girls were old friends and this wasn't going to be a uh, chastising of the blue aja as as the uh, other eyes that i thought but more of a girl's gossip session so moraine and swan continue their catch-up session catch-up session the chapter opens with the reader finding out that stilling is a fate worse than death uh you know if they ever found out about us they would still us and they would be right to do it and and go on and find out that it would be a fate worse than death. Uh, once women of Aes Sedai have learned to channel and learn to control that talent and are able to do that, uh, having it so erroneously stripped of that talent is like having a piece of their soul taken from them. And the general consensus among the Aes Sedai is if they ever were stilled, they, they wouldn't know have any reason to live. So starts a little grimly, but it's more or less the fact that they're concerned. Swan is genuinely concerned 
that Elida and the Red Aja are jealous over the Blue Aja. I think they talk about the history of the Amaralyn seat and how the Blues have been in power for longer than the Reds. You know, on the outside, it seems that the Aes Sedai are, are happy, uh, very kumbaya, very, very um, self-sufficient and peaceful organization within themselves. But nothing could be farther from the truth. There is so much strife between the Ajas, and in particular, the Blues versus the Reds. Swan and Swan is worried that the Reds are going to come for her for, for whatever reason. And as she's complaining to Moraine, Moraine thinks to herself, where is the legendary fire in Swan Sans that got her the position of the Amaralyn seat? She seems very coy, very coy and very concerned or, or almost, she would never call her scared to her face, but almost as if she was scared of what may happen. Um... So Moraine decides to poke and prod her a little bit, and after that, the fire is reinvigorated, and Swan quickly reminds Moraine of her soft, highborn life. Uh, as we know, Swan came from a uh, fishing family, not necessarily homeless, but definitely a lower class than where Moraine was from uh, in the, um, I guess, in, in uh the the lords and ladies and in higher higher standings in Kerhine. Um so when Moraine started to push Swan Swan came back and said, Whoa, 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 lady. You had a silver spoon. I had it rough. I had to learn the streets the hard way. So step back. It also seems that only the blue Aja, and maybe on Moraine or Swan's idea to find Rand. And help guide this boy to fulfill some sort of prophecy. Something known as the Koreathon cycle. So as we'll find out, each of the different Ajas have different main uh, duties to what they do. And for the blue, it seems to be solely to, to uphold or complete and complete prophecies. In this case, this one called the Koreathon cycle. Which something that we'll learn about a lot later, but... Basically, the, the takeaway here is that the job of the Blues and basically Moraine and Swan have been to find the right pieces to complete the Koreathon cycle, but again, in a way that benefits the Aes Sedai to the best of their, to best of their um, abilities. So this prophecy isn't all sunshines and rainbows. Uh, one quote is it from is, is, he shall come like the breaking dawn, and shatter the world. <laughs> Doesn't sound like anything I want to have uh, completed. And just a prophecy that talks about that. I don't want any part of it. Uh, and then Egwene has this guy wandering around the women's apartments carrying her luggage with him. She's she's tackling him in the hallways of Valdara's uh, fortress. He he what he shall come with the breaking dawn and shatter the world. Yeah. Yeah. Go get go find that guy. So, after showing up the Horn of Valer, which Moraine, you know, it's always funny now because you'll hear people talk about, oh, the Great Hunt, they're going to go to, gonna go to, to Tyrion for an alien and find the Great Hunt for the Horn. Wow, I wonder if I could be the one that had it. All the time, Moraine's like, bitch, please, got it right here. So, after showing off the Horn of Valer, Moraine then shows her BFF the weakening seals to the Dark One's prison, the, the Gwendolar. 
and that's when it realized, that's when Swan's like, oh, the shit's starting to get real. You know, you tap it and you scrape it a little bit and a little bit scrapes off that that is not supposed to happen. So it's one thing to say, yeah, I found, I found who I believe might be the, uh, guy we're looking for. It may be another thing to say, yep, I got the Horn of Valair. Yep, I felt I faced off of, of, of a couple of Forsaken and took care of that. But the Dark One's actual seals to the prison are weakening. And that that is absolutely no bueno. No bueno at all. Swan next starts to say that Rand blazed like the sun. Um, everybody has... It seems that in, in the world of Aes Sedai, each individual Aes Sedai has what they call a certain talent or a certain speciality, uh, as we found out with Elida and, and fortune telling, as we found out with, uh, well, actually, that's the only one, Elida with the fortune telling, she had one. Uh, with Sawan, hers is the ability to see Taviren. Um, she says they have a, you know, a glow about them that shows she can pick out who is Taviren and who isn't when she's in you know, a, a crowd looking through a crowd. Her words was that he blazed like the sun, showing how Taviren he really is. And knowing that she's like, well, Maureen, what, what's the bastard plan here? All right, you got the kid. You know, we know what needs to happen, but how can we get it there? You know, and as we found out, Rand can be stubborn as a mule. You know, or and let the legendary Manetherin blood and the stubbornness of the Two Rivers folk. So, Marain's plan is to ignore him. Let him go where he pleases. Where he pleases. Her thought process is, if I show disinterest, if I let him just do his thing, then he'll go off and do his thing, but he'll eventually realize he's got to come back to me. With this guy who's supposed to break the dawn and shatter the world, you're just going to kind of just let him go? Yeah, okay, that's what you think, but, you know, you might want to keep a close eye on that guy. Because he is dangerous. Uh, uh, one other slight hiccup that Moraine forgot to mention to Swan on this master plan. They had to have made it pissed off and shared our logo. There, there was no way around it. I'm sorry. We're the denizens of evil following us on all sides, and we had nowhere else to go. So, we, yeah, we had to go to the city of death and, and destruction, and we had to stay there for the night. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. We were in. We stayed. We left. We had a good time. We schmoozed. It's fine. We're great. Don't worry about it. We're good. Oh, yeah. While we were there, one of the... Uh, one of the other two kids that he's with might have taken something from the city. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I took care of it. He still has the dagger. He's not sick. He's feeling much better now. Don't you worry. You know, and Sarwan's reaction was like, you're fucking kidding me. We found the guy. He can channel. He's super powerful. He's going to break the dawn. He's going to screw everything up to reimagine the world. And you took him to the city of death? The living city of death? Tainted city? You, you, really? Don't worry about it. It's all good. Oh, okay. I mean, as, as we're finding out, Moraine was sent on this solo mission 
in from the perspective of the other Aes Sedai's, Moraine has taken an awful lot of liberties to run this plan solo. And as we're starting to learn and will continue to learn with Aes Sedai, things don't go solo. That's not how it works here. After that, they had to end this conversation. They can't talk forever because, you know, Aes Sedai do like the gossip and, you know, She's been chastised enough, so now she needs to make her make yeah. She needs to make her way out of the room and leave. And we'll talk again, but enough for today. So we now get a perspective shift from Ma Rain to, of all people, Geofram Bornhold. That old fart, he is leading thousands and thousands of white cloaks through the country of Tarbon towards the Almoth Plain, where we learned earlier that there was some some fighting and some and some uh, skirmishes going on there, fighting over the land there. This is not where he wants to be. He was he was in the middle of Camelot. He was making waves. He was he was getting the white cloak cause out there. The queen was struggling. Uh, he heard news that the Aes Sedai advisor she had may have left town. And Camelin became ripe for the White Cloaks to pick through, but he, at the last second, was ordered by his Lord Captain Commander Pedron Nile to leave at once and recruit 2,000 men and make way for the Almuth Plain. Upon arriving, Geofram is greeted by a section of the White Cloaks called the Hand of Light. AKA the questioners. I think these people have the, 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 the sun, the big blazing sun like everybody else. But the, I think it was the, the red shepherd's crook, just to kind of give you a little extra, a little, you know, if these guys are bad and they're scared of the hand of light, how much worse can these people be? But he's greeted by Jayachim Coradin, the, the head of the questioners. Uh, these guys make regular white cloaks uneasy, so they must be bad news. Geofram is quickly told that all the unrest in the Almuth Plain there, quote, may be dark friends afoot. He is to take his men and root out the evil so that the hand of light can ensure the people are walking in the light. It sounds all fine and dandy, but as we found out very quickly, there's no proof. It's this courting guy, or carroting guy, literally is just saying, yeah, there's, you know, that all this skirmishes. And odds are, you know, there's probably bad people in there. So just go take care of it. You know, uh, Geofrem was a, uh, he got to his position on being able to bring the, the message of the Children of Light, not necessarily peacefully, but in a more just way he doesn't just he, he won't act or he won't condemn unless he has overwhelming evidence to prove that the person that he's dealing with is a dark friend in this case he's just told yeah odds are they're bad so yeah just go get just go take care of it just go go do your thing and his reaction is this is not what i signed up for i'm willing to fight for my cause, but if you're going to tell me that you just 
have no evidence and just to go fix the problem in this area, spread the name on people who may already be walking in the light. That's just not the way I roll. However, he is a man of, uh, of honor. He is a man of duty and he will not uh, disobey his Lord Captain Commander's direct order of Going to terror, going to the Alma plane, and and listening to this guy and take his orders. So, what we have here is, you know, he wants he wants to be able to do his duty and follow his orders, but he is now struggling with with the command here. But he does acquiesce. He does take this um, in, information and he follows suit. He. he Heads his men, he's heads his men into the Alnath plane. You know, Geofram does see this as the children interfering in local politics to further bolster their agenda and power in the region. He is reluctant, but he agrees to work with Corridan. This was a quick, this was a quick little, there's like a page and a half or something. And then perspective shifts yet again back to Faldara and Leandrin Sadai. Everybody's favorite, you know. Everybody wants to be best friends with her because she's such an outgoing person. She is making a beeline for Lady Annalise's chamber, ignoring all of the small people on the quotations in the way. You know, she walks by, but, oh, Madame Sadai, Madame Sadai, Kirchie's all that, and she, they don't exist. They're just like the candlesticks on the table. They, they're just there to serve their purpose, and she's making a beeline for the chambers. Upon confronting the Lady Amelisa and using the one power on her, Amelisa is completely broken down mentally and will do anything Leandrin asks of her. So as I mentioned earlier with Suwan and her talent for finding Tabiran in a group of people, being able to pick them out individually, Leandrin finds, has a talent for... Hmm, mind manipulation or or bend, bending the persuasion of people to suit her will it's not completely compulsion and she admits internally that there are limits to her power uh this was a power that she learned as a kid before she even trained as an Aes Sedai so you kind of know how she became the person she became if as a kid you learned how to somehow magically get people to do what you want. And she took that and abused that power to her benefit. And even as she got trained and the and the Aes Sedai senior to her learned of her talent and tried to stop her from using it, to her that meant, oh, well, I'll just have to use it in a more secretive way now. So you know that her intentions may not always be the most pristine. So in this case, she kind of plays mind games with her. Uh, she never actually casts any accusations, but she pops ideas into her into Lady Annalise's mind that maybe this is what she is thinking. Um, you know, she's made to believe that her own brother, Lord Agamar, is a dark friend. And, and she she almost uses the the children of lights um, mo for for uh, accusations. She almost uses that to a T. She says, you know, dark friends are afoot, and they 
could they could be all the way up and then she hits her with the one power you know could be all the way up the left the ladder we don't know and then lady, lady amelisa comes back you don't mean my brother's a dark friend and then leandra comes back with well if he is don't you want to help him you know and this kind of manipulative persuasion is is the way that she kind of gets by the way she does whatever business she does it's not the most not the most uh, ethical but it's the, what she's learned with it's what she's learned to work with so now she's got Amelisa on her hands and knees begging for forgiveness for her brother and that she'll do anything any anything she wants to just clear her brother's name and, and, and put this all behind her so Leandrin tasks Amelisa to use all of her contacts and influences in her eyes and ears along in in the fortress to help find Rand, Matt, and Perrin. They aren't dark friends. Oh, no, they're not dark friends, my girl. They're much worse. So, they're in the castle somewhere. She needs to find these three boys. And uh, we can all, we already know if a red if a red Aja Aes Sedai is looking for a boy, there's only one reason, and it's never pleasant for the boy. Let's just 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 cut to the chase. This red Aja looking for boys can only mean one thing, and none of the three boys want to be part of that. So even though she has Amelie down on her knees begging and doing anything she wants. Leandrin takes one last minute to pop a little extra uh, oomph into her persuasion and drops a little bit of nugget of knowledge on her. Leandrin tells Amelisa that the Black Aja is very, very much real. Once again, dances around the wording as we will find Aes Sedai do expertly she doesn't say I'm black. Uh, I'm black Aja. She says the black Aja are very real. Be scared of them. And with that, we get one last perspective shift, at the very last part of the chapter, and we go to everybody's favorite comedian, Padden Fane. As the final perspective changes to Padden Fane. He's greeted in the dungeons in the dark of the night by a surprise visitor. Oh, this is a surprise. I didn't expect to see you here. End chapter. All in all, this is a good chapter. I do like it. It, it Mostly from the perspectives of outside of Swan. It's mostly from the perspectives of people see as antagonists. And I see this chapter as... as, as the pieces being put on the board. Um, Swan and Moraine give us a lot of backstory. We go to Leanne, or we go to uh, Geofram. His piece is put on the board. He has moved from Camelon on his way to Almuth Plain and now has reason to start doubting his superior officers. His perspective then moves to Leandrin, who opens up to the reader a little bit and finds out that she uses diabolical means to get what she wants. And she may not be as, uh, I guess, as virtuous as even a red sister would be. 
And then we finally end with Padden Fane, who we know is just abject evil, abhorrent, and always. And something's going down in the dungeons. And that's where the chapter ends. And that is where I'm going to take us in to readings, Robert. And now, the Taveren present to you readings with Rob. Chapter 5 The Shadow in Shanir. If all of the seals are already breaking, we may have no time at all. Little enough, but that little may be enough. It will have to be. The Amaralyn touched the fractured seal, and her voice grew tight, as if she were forcing herself to speak. I saw the boy, you know, in the courtyard during the welcome. It is one of my talents, seeing Tabiren. A rare talent these days, even more rare than Tabiren, and certainly not of much use. A tall boy, a fairly handsome young man. Not much different than any young man you might see in any town. She paused to draw breath. Murray, he blazed like the sun. I've seldom been afraid in my life, but the sight of him made me afraid right down to my toes. I wanted to cower, to howl. I could barely speak. Aglemar thought I was angry with him. I said so little. That young man... He's the one we have sought these twenty years. There was a hint of question in her voice. Lorraine answered. He is. Uh, are you certain? Can, can he? Can, can he channel to one power? Her mouth strained around the words, and Lorraine felt the tension too. A twisting inside. A cold clutching at her heart. She kept her face smooth though. He can. A man wielding the one power. That was a thing no Aes Sedai could contemplate without fear. It was a thing the whole world feared. And I will loose it on the world. Red Althor will stand before the world as the Dragon Reborn. The Amaralyn shuddered. Red Althor? It does not sound like the name to inspire fear and set the world on fire. She gave another shiver and rubbed her arms briskly, but her eyes suddenly shone with purposeful light. If he is the one, then we truly may have time enough. But is he safe here? I have two red sisters with me, and I can no longer answer for the green or yellow either. The light consumed me. I can't answer for any of them. Not with this. Even Varen and Seraphel would leap on him the way they would a scarlet adder in a nursery. He is safe. For a moment. That was Readings with Rob. If there's a passage in an upcoming chapter you wish to have read on the podcast, simply tweet us at TavirenPod with your request. All right, thank you very much. Readings with Robert, I hope you enjoyed that little take. I'm going to shut down things here. Like I said, this is just running this one solo, so it's just going to be a quick shot. I uh, hope you enjoyed my take on the shadow in Shanir. You know, it's not just Rand versus the Dark One. It's Rand versus the Black Aja. It's Rand versus the Children of Light. Rand versus Padden Bane. Rand versus the... Sh oh, sh sh sorry. Didn't want to spoil. Um, ignore that. 
Bill, if you're editing, uh, cut out that last piece. Thank you. Who? What? Me? Um, uh, what? Edit? Uh, no, no, I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> it's your fault. Make less mistakes next time. Bye. Bye. So, we have Twitter. We have a Discord. We have all, you know, an email. We have Apple Podcasts, Google, the new, I guess, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon Podcasts, everything. We're all over the place. Just, just what you think. What can we do? Maybe you want to hear readings with more readings with Bill, or maybe even hear readings with Rich. Hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry. I digress. Reach out to us. Give us some love. Tell us what you think. And just keep on keeping on, but guys, I love you all, and I appreciate everything that you do, and I appreciate all the support and all the love. We will talk to you next week with Chapter 6. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. As we march further on into the adventures of the Great Hunt, we take a quick peek into each of the minds of the three farm boys from Two Rivers to see where their heads are at at the moment. Wow, Perrin is so good talking to women. The way he handled Eggwing, I wish I could do that. Man, I wish I was as good at women as Perrin. Man, Rand seems to know what he's talking about with them women. I wish I was able to be as good talking with women as he is. Man, I see Rand and I see Perrin and Lewith, they're talking to women. Boy, I wish I could talk to women like that. The only thing I'm good at is making women mad. I only make women pissed off. Matt really has a way with women. I don't know how he gets away with it, but I wish I had that same ability to talk to women like he does. I can't believe the way Matt talked to that woman. It worked out beautifully. I, I just I just get stuck in my words and, and, and they think I'm just slow, but man, Matt really has a way with the women. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.